Hey, and welcome to North Point Plus. We're glad you're hanging out with us today. Uh, if you're watching and you're like, why is Rick laughing already? It's because we do goofy stuff before we officially start podcasts. I, I just think it's very interesting for yeah. anyone who tunes in to see just a very subdued Jake saying, welcome to yeah. North Point Plus. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Always low energy. <laughs> Always low energy when I enter a room. Under like, promise. Like, it's quiet. It's very it's quiet. there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, hey, we're on episode uh, 122. It is our second podcast of the 2024 calendar year, but first sermon of the calendar year, right? Yeah. There you go. Starting a new series. Rick, why don't you tell us a little about the series and all about your talk from Sunday? Yeah, the, uh, the series uh, we have a pretty creative name for, 12 <laughs> Steps. Um, it's, it's, it really comes from a book called, uh, the sermon is based on the 12 Steps, and the reference material we're using in terms of helping develop the messages is a book called A Hunger for Healing. Um, and if you remember the author's name, he's a very famous author. He wrote uh, 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 Miller, uh, New Wine, Old Wineskins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, um, and we may actually, we're going to talk in the teaching team tomorrow. I just thought I'd tell oh, you. Oh, man, yeah. Jake, now I'm uh, learning something new today, uh, too. About whether or not we might have some copies of that available for people, anybody who wants to oh, yeah. to go ahead and get a copy of the book and and work through stuff, because there's in in the book there is there are great questions at the end of each chapter to help people process stuff. Mm -hmm. the 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 background is really um, I, I said in the message I I've wanted to preach on the twelve steps for a long time because I think people who are in recovery can be some of the most authentic, transparent. Um, honest people about their sin and sinfulness, ju just being open about the things that they struggle with, yeah. and that's a that's a characteristic of a follower of Jesus. That um, for people who are not in recovery is often hard. It's hard for people to be transparent. It's hard for yeah. people to say, "Yeah, I struggle with sin in this area," and it's just really refreshing for somebody in humility to, to be able to say, "Yeah, I'm a mess." Yeah. And and I can't make it through the day without Jesus. Right. Um, so that that has been part of it. And then the other part of the the reason why I've really felt compelled for us to do this series. And again, I said this in the message too. Is um, that it's really easy for people who have been followers of Jesus for a long time or been good people mm -hmm. to just say, "Yeah, addiction. That's stupid. You know, um, that's not anything in my life." And for there to be stuff that's hidden that they don't want anybody to know that they deal with all the time. Right. Um, so, so that's it. And then we just dealt with with um, with step one was was really uh, the the first step where you admit that you're powerless mm -hmm. and that your life has become unmanageable. Um, that's, that's where we found out that you're an addict, right? Um, you know, <laughs> that I, is I how you started. Yeah, so. I did, and <laughs> and I I do want to clarify. I had a conversation at lunch that uh, that it just uh, I thought, oh boy, I want to clarify that on the podcast. Um, when I was a teenager and in a video arcade, that's when I first discovered that I that I was an addict, that I had addictive behavior yeah. that that could go out of control. That doesn't mean that that's the only um, area of addiction that I've dealt with in my life at all. Yeah. Um, but that was that was the first time that it was like, oh, this is a problem, and. Um, Man, I'm I'm talking too much, but I'm I'm just kind of spilling. I, um, again, in transparency, as I was processing the message yesterday. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when we preach, um, my prayer often, 
always, is God speak through me and God speak to me. Um, as I prepare the message, and, and especially on Sunday mornings, I get, get ready to speak. God, speak through me to in whatever way you want, but speak to me too. Um, and so yesterday afternoon, I, wa- I was just kind of processing the whole addiction thing and, and thought, you know, I'm not addicted to video games. I, I really think, uh, and this is a very real serious deal, and it may sound stupid to some, but I'm addicted to competition. Um, I... I compete on lots of levels in lots of areas, and it's easy for me to find value and worth in winning. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's easy for me to escape all the things that I mentioned in the definition yeah. of addiction. Um, it's easy for me to escape from reality by by competing, but yeah. you know um, whether that's racquetball or uh, video games or. Uh, Exercise. Euchre. I've seen Euchre. the Euchre games. <laughs> yeah, it's um, and and so again, I we talked in the in the message that there are some addictions that are more socially acceptable yeah. than others. That doesn't mean they're not just as destructive. Sure, sure. So, yeah, good that's stuff. that's uh, how's that for an overview? Yeah. It you know it's it is really funny. I mean, I keep talking now. You're supposed to talk because if our voices change, then it keeps people engaged. But it was very interesting yesterday um, as I was speaking to have a sense of what was going on in the auditorium. You know, you talk as a speaker about reading the room. Um, I don't think people came for the first Sunday in the new year expecting to face their addictions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was one comment I got was, oh, hey, we kicked off the new year pretty heavy. (laughs) Like no warning on this. Like as you walked in, except I teased it the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, know. But but it was it was really interesting because when we did the run through um, before first service, we do sound checks and all that kind of stuff. And I did the beginning of my um, uh, of my introduction where I just said, "Hey, I'm Rick, and I'm an addict." And it was really interesting in the sound check because all of a sudden the band got really quiet. (laughs) It was like, huh. Uh, and um, is this going to be Rick's last Sunday at yeah, North Point? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there is that yeah. sense. Uh, okay, yeah. is this confession time that's going to result in uh, crash and burn kind of thing? And um, and both services, uh, second service especially, there was a, a little bit of a sense of ah, ah, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. nervous laughter. Yeah. I remember here. Yeah. I was in first service, and I remember that. Uh, feeling in there a little bit of just that, like, ha, 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 uh, what do we do kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is, because it's a heavier topic. It's it's something that's interesting. The comment that was made to me was, uh, you know, you come on Sunday morning and you're expecting to hear, like, oh, look at that, Moses parted the water and Noah Woo! built an ark and, like, all this. And then it's like, oh, no, it, addiction and destruction and painful habits and caught and stuff. And you're like, man, this is not what I expected necessarily on a Sunday morning. But that's important, and it's beautiful to be able to be able to talk about those. Yeah, I, I think it's what we need, and and I mean, in the context of the twelve steps, it really is about um, authenticity and vulnerability. Yeah. It's really easy as a follower of Jesus to pretend that everything's good and to hide the stuff that's not, and it's really easy to just not want to deal with it. Yeah. It's it's like, you know what, if I can make it through the day without having to think about that stuff, that's a win. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not. 
Um, because when it takes root, um, destruction happens. Right. Right. It was very interesting. I know in your talk, you, you ended it by having all of us confess Uh that we're addicts. You know, and that was kind yeah. of the premise of everything was the idea that, hey, we all have some addiction issues that we're dealing with. And so it kind of leads to our question here, the first one that we have. It says that saying everyone is an addict seems to minimize real addiction. Do you really think struggling with different sins occasionally is the same as addictions people have that destroy their life and often their relationships and families? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I think that there is a differentiation between addiction mm-hmm. and struggling with sin. Um, the, so the, and the way that I would qualify that difference is if you go back to the definition that we used in the message that, that, um, talks about anything that, that we used to fill a void to, uh, take the place of God in a way that only God can, can do that. Um, and that it creates a dependency and a, and a movement to do that over and over and over again. That's addiction. That's different than a temptation to sin. Um, or or being caught in sin, or having a sin that you deal with uh, a lot. Um, so there, so there is a difference there. I would say that um, it's easy if you don't deal, if you don't live in the world of twelve steps, if you don't live in the world with admitting um, that your life has become unmanageable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you. You would say, oh, that's not real addiction. Well, dag on it. If if my addiction to compete destroys my relationship with my wife yeah. and my kids, it's it is absolutely as real. If my addiction to technology um, ends up uh, causing me to withdraw and to not engage in real authentic relationships, and that just gets worse and worse as I pursue that rabbit hole over and over and over again and withdraw don't do my job, don't, you know, all, that's a real addiction. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think it's interesting because a lot of times we um, minimize the role that addiction has in our life because we don't pay attention to it. Even just listening to you talk about that a little bit, I'm having flashbacks of like, uh, and as dumb as this sounds, being in college and even early out of college where I was so enamored with college football and statistics and which team was going to do what and how they were going to go and like that it would damage friendships that I had because we were getting in arguments over guys who are younger and more talented playing at a level that I would never be able to do and really has no effect on my life, right? Like right. It doesn't matter what happens on the college football field. It doesn't have an impact on my life. It's fu- If it's not fun, you know, for me, it right. shouldn't be a part of it. And if it's damaging my friendships, relationships, or... I can't step away from it. Maybe that is an addiction issue that can pop up. Um, another one I think that's interesting is you talked about technology is I have in my mind, uh, you see pictures all the time of, of parents who aren't playing with their kids because they're on their phone yeah. and those kinds of things and how that is damaging in there because there's that dopamine hit from being on your phone. Yep. You know what I mean? So like there's all of those things that I think as a society, uh, those are acceptable addictions that we wouldn't even label as addictions. It's just how our world works and we don't recognize that even. Uh, but the devastation is real. Yeah. So when we talk yeah. about our life being unmanageable, um, when when all of a sudden, you know, for, for the parent who is on their phone all the time mm-hmm. and wakes up and says, why don't I have a relationship with my 13 or 14-year-old kid? Why don't they want to be with me? Um, it, it, at that point, you're, the the seeds that you've sown have grown. They've 
developed, mm-hmm. and 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 the the results of that become unmanageable. Yeah. Uh, um, it's it can't be fixed apart from Jesus. Right. Right. But it's an interesting thing too to think about this concept of we live in a tech like we're just going to go with technology yeah. here for a second. Yeah. We live in a technological world. Um, it'd be unrealistic for me not to have my phone on me. We don't have a house phone at our house. Right. So I'm going to carry my phone. I'm used to having my phone with me all the time. There's times I use it for maybe a recipe or th- good uses of my yep. phone. There's also bad uses of my phone, addictive yep. uses of my phone. And I guess that leads to our second question here. How, when someone is addicted to, to alcohol or drugs, they normally have to give it up completely. Yep. How do we deal with addictions that we're not able to give up completely, whether it's food or exercise or in some levels technology? Like, how, how do we deal with that? I, I think... I. Um, yeah, I, if you're addicted to food, it's tough to yeah, um, can be real hungry. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I think that the answer to that is that you create the um, pieces in place in your life that we talked about, ha- having a s- sponsor, um, a, a level of honesty, having a having a, a community that you're connected to, um, and and the Holy Spirit that helps filter all that stuff, so that so that when you eat. Um, you've got some things in place, some people around you that can help you not um, feed that addiction um, and and keep it in check, if you will. Sure, um, sure. That, and and the and the whole deal is you can eat without eating to escape. You can sure. eat without eating to. Um, to avoid responsibility, you can eat without um, w- without a lot of those things that are part of the addictive behavior. Mm-hmm. But it, but if that has become your go to path for coping with life, mm-hmm. man, it takes some r- significant rewiring um, to get there. Which is why we're doing the series. Yeah, 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 very very interesting. And I think, like you said, a piece that you hit on there, and I know we're going to get to later on in the series more is is that sponsor or that needing other yep. people in our life and, and how helpful that is to be able to deal with um, some of these addictive behaviors that we can't completely get rid of the behavior yeah. as well. Uh, there's an interesting question that Sue McKay sent in here for us. Uh, just She simply asked, can you provide more details on addiction versus strongholds? We just did strongholds and yeah. rooted and kind of what that is, and, and maybe you want to talk about that if somebody doesn't know what we, we mean by strongholds, but also kind of were they similar, where are they different? You know what? When I saw that question, I thought this is a great question for Jake. You can't flip it back on me. <laughs> Why when not? I just ask. <laughs> I've, you the I've, I've been talking. What do you think? My goodness, over here, <laughs> man! Can you provide more details on addictions versus strongholds? Uh, good question. Uh, I wish I would have given this more thought. Now I just thought I was asking it. Um, I think addictions are things that we're going back to for the same dopamine hit. Dopamine is a big piece of it in mind, like uh-huh. the physiological responses that can be there. Um, they can be things as well that I think are destructive to people outside of us. I'm sacrificing other relationships or finances or the well-being of others to feed my addictions yeah. at times. I don't know if strongholds necessarily do that. They can. Um, but when I think of strongholds, I don't necessarily think of that in particular. Um, I also think strongholds can be something that's not addictive as well. I think a stronghold in your life can be things like um, shame or yeah, that's good. those kinds of things as well. So they have some similarities um, and, and the reality is I think the similarities are both kind of rooted and there's a sin element yep. there in both plays. Um, 
but how they manifest themselves out of that sin element, I think, slightly begins to to go. And so while they cross over at different points, I think they also kind of have some big separate issues as well. Yeah, I I think I th- I would agree with you that I that I think the stronghold piece um, involves sin in the in the um, in the in whatever that addiction is. Sure. Um, so it's a spiritual stronghold. I think that we can have addictive behavior that's not necessarily sin. The, the results of the addiction mm-hmm. can be sinful. So um, the um, technology being on technology yeah, itself yeah. is not sinful. Correct. But it can have sinful consequences if we're not careful with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think uh, um, uh, an addiction to exercise, and I've known some people that mm-hmm. uh, their whole life, was consumed with, I, I need to do this. I, yeah. I, I, um, th- that wasn't necessarily a stronghold. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an addiction that they had to um, rewire, uh, if you will. But the stronghold might have been body image. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, the, that thinking that you had to look a certain way in, in order to gain favor. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, like for exercise at times, too, even the stronghold could be avoidance. Right, you know, oh, I can't, yeah. I can't parent that, I can't deal with that, I can't get into this argument or that. I got to go run, I got to yeah. work out, I got to go whatever. And so, it's just it's always that yeah. escape piece. Yes, you become addicted to it. As yeah, well. yeah. So, I, like I said, I think they're they're intertwined, but they're also a little different, and they don't yeah. they don't necessarily have to be with one another, but they do touch on each other. A lot. Yeah, and and I think some addictions obviously can be strongholds. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, all right, so uh, scene change. If you are watching right now uh, on uh, the video version of the podcast, you got to notice that Rick and I have a little bit different clothes and setup possibly here. Uh, if you are listening on audio right now, you have no idea what I'm talking about, so I'll explain it to you. Uh, we recorded the podcast on Monday, and apparently I did some motion, and maybe you can see it uh, if you're watching where I touched the microphone, and when I did so, I broke the microphone because my strength is greater than I realize, Rick. I'm yeah. just going to take um, it as a compliment. You have so much power, Jake. That's what it is. And so we are actually uh, re-recording the second half of our podcast. The first time in 122 episodes that yeah. we've done this. Yeah. And so uh, we're going to do something that she's not aware of. And Sylvia, pop your head in here real quick because we just want to give you a shout out for working <laughs> so hard and coming in early. Yay, Sylvia. Thank you, Sylvia, for making this possible. Because I have magic hands and broke a microphone yesterday, apparently. So <laughs> there you go. But we're going to jump back in and continue our podcast here. Hopefully it feels seamless for you guys. It feels dramatic for us. Yeah, but. because it's been like 16 hours yeah. or something like that. <laughs> we so put this one to bed. Yeah. So. Hey, but uh, we do our next question that pops up here, it says, Hey, what if I have no problem with my habit and I have no desire to break it? I'm, I'm still processing the scene change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if so, that that's the that really is the bottom line in terms of the the uh, of step one. Step one is admitting that that you're powerless over your addiction and and that your life has become unmanageable. So if you say eh, it's no big deal, that's part of the reason why we're doing the series and part of why I spent most of the message on step one was to really just say uh, we all have a problem. We and we all have to address it. If you don't address it. Um, you, nothing will ever change. Um, if we, if we tolerate, um, sin, if we tolerate addiction in our life, um, things will just continue to spiral downward. Um, and there may not be an immediate, uh, price to pay, but 
the price will be paid at some point in time. Yeah, yeah. There's no, uh, there's no scot free instance with no. this. Like, there's always a bill to pay. Yeah. You know, whether you uh, break rules, whether you cheat, whether you steal, <laughs> whether you do whatever. Like, it's eventually gonna get caught, Rick. <laughs> it's Tuesday morning. I have some bitterness. How's oh, that for you? there you go. There you go. <laughs> How about uh, question number five? This one's kind of wow. Funny to me. There you. I had to get wow. at least one in. Wow. I had to get at least one in. Right. I was determined not to say anything this morning. <laughs> You're better than I am. Uh, there you go. <laughs> question number five. Uh, short one, but kind of I, I like this one. Just simply ask the question, hey, what's the point? Um, that's a really interesting question. When I saw that come through, I thought, oh, this is great. Um, what's the point? I, I'm not sure what the con- what the uh, thinking behind the question is. Like, what's the point of the message? Or what's the point of the series? Or what's yeah. the point of dealing with addiction? Uh, it, it could be any of that. Because sometimes I think when you are um, when you're when you're actively involved in addiction, you feel like, what's the use of trying? Um, because I can't get out. And if that's the heart of the question, I would say, man, go back and listen to the end of the message again, because God is the one who raises the dead. Right. He is the one who can break the power of addiction, who can, even though we still have to deal with the consequences of what's happened in the past, um, God walks with us through that time. So, so that's a great thing. Um, if, the, if the heart of the question is, what's the point of this series? Like, why aren't we preaching through the book of Deuteronomy instead or uh, Revelation or whatever? Um, I think it's real practical stuff. It, it is, yeah. uh, it's, it's why I wanted to do this series, because I think that so many of us uh, ignore addictive behavior in our lives. Um, we pretend like we don't have it. Uh, we don't want to have it. And so we, um, so we just, uh, ignore it. hope it goes away. And, um, and that's the point of the series. What's the point of the message in particular? It really is to admit that you're powerless and, um, and that life has become unmanageable, that you've got to be in community. Um, I probably didn't stress that enough uh, as I thought back through the message, that um, the the real uh, part of the takeaway, and this will show up in in other steps, you've got to have somebody, you've got to have a sponsor, you've got to have a community, you've got to have a life group, you've got to have some people around you that can help you walk through that the the process of dealing with your stuff. Yeah. Nice. So if that's if what's the point? Those are the points. Yeah, those are the points. Lots of points. There you yeah. go. <laughs> How about this one? It says, "Is it okay to drink at all?" Or is everything okay in moderation? And we had some fun with this uh, a little bit yesterday because uh, I think it's a goofy phrase. Yeah, is everything okay. Is, in moderation? is everything okay in moderation? No, Jack? not everything is okay in moderation. Like you can't uh, like murder in moderation, right? You yeah. can't like evade your taxes in moderation. Like there's a lot of things in moderation that you cannot do. Uh, there's a lot of things you can't do, shouldn't do at all. There's things that you can right. do a lot of, and there's things that, like within context, are okay to be able to yeah. do. So when it comes to drinking, Rick, where does that fall in that scale? Um, I, I think it's hel- helpful to think historical context and to think in the the uh, first century, um, and in lots of parts of the world, water, clean water is an issue. Yeah. And so um, the the drink that 
that people had virtually all the time was would have been wine, it, uh, alcoholic content, some more than others, you know, some that had aged more than others. But that was that was a normal part. So when Jesus said, "Drink this," and and they were um, drinking at Passover, he was drinking real wine. Yeah. Um, the uh, water into wine. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, water into wine for the for the wedding. The um, it, it's not a bad thing to drink, um, but when we drink to excess, when we drink to escape, um, when we drink to to uh, to numb ourselves, when we drink to try and um, find fulfillment, that, that uh, courage, uh, I get, I get, I get, um, I get the heebie-jeebies um, when people say, "I just need a drink to go talk to that person." Yeah. It's like. Mm, I understand it, but it's going to be a lot more effective with a lot less consequences if you pray before yeah. you go talk to that person sure, sure. Uh, and let the Holy Spirit give you the strength that you need to do that. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's it's funny because I think through COVID over the last four years there are a whole lot more people drinking a whole lot more than they used to mm-hmm. because through COVID uh, when everything was shut down lots of people drank to just pass time. Um, a lot of people drank uh, to numb the loneliness because uh, they didn't have people around them. Um, yeah, so it's it's not a it's alcohol is not a bad thing. Right. Uh, Paul Paul said to Timothy, "Take a little wine for your stomach." Right. Um, so it's certainly not sin, but the Bible talks about drunkenness as a sin. And, yeah. And I think when when that becomes the tool that we use to survive, it puts us in a bad place. Mm. Nice. Nice. How about this one? Would you consider getting back at people who have wronged you or your family to be an addiction? I, I don't personally think that that's an addiction. Yeah. I, I think it's a sin issue because um, Scripture's clear in terms of saying, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right. I will repay. And so when we take that on ourselves to do that, when we harbor the resentment, the anger, the hurt, the pain, so that we think we've got to take revenge... Uh, that's sin that we've got to deal with, but I don't know that it's an addiction unless um, the process of revenge becomes something that fills a void, something that sure. um, causes us to escape, the, 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 the things that would align with the definition of an addiction. Sure. Yeah, it's an issue, but it's not quite the same issue. That, yeah, it's not the same kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, they're a little bit different still at that. Um Irving Hamad asked a question in here. I like this one. He says, if the Lord knows every outcome, Lord knows every outcome, right? Yeah, okay, God know knows it. exactly. Right. Yeah, he's not bound by time, so he can see ahead of us, he can see behind us. Okay, yeah, so we got he, that down. He sees it all. Why does Satan then still attempt to counter an all-knowing God? Because Satan's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the, his nature is that he wants to... Um, to rebel. He wants to take God's place. Mm-hmm. He wants, he's jealous of God. He wants to displace God. And so he, that's, that's who he is. That's what he's about. Um, and he can't see the future in the way that God can. Otherwise, he wouldn't have allowed Jesus to be crucified. Right. Um, unless, I, uh, who knows? Um, I'm, if he I'm, can read... You could always pick up the Bible, get to Revelation, and just recognize, yeah. oh, it's not going to go so not, well. It's not going good. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> although, uh, may, maybe at that point in time, 
Satan's mission since then has just been to, what Jesus said, kill and steal and destroy. Yeah. Uh, to just wreak havoc and destroy people's lives. Yeah. There's a, there's a piece within this question that um, is a little counter to who Satan is because there's a almost inside of it. Hey, why would he? Why would Satan still attempt to counter an all-knowing God? Because to not counter God means that Satan has enough wisdom and enough oh. humility to say, "Oh, I was wrong." So right. I'm going to stop. But Satan is absolute evil. Like there right. is no good within him. So it wouldn't be in his nature to stop and say, oh, I'm not going to go against God anymore. No, that's who Satan is. That's every part of Satan is against God and is right. against Christians and is against anybody who's a part of the family of God and he wants to cause any harm or havoc that he can. And so, yeah, he'll never get to that point where right. knowing the end, knowing it doesn't work, that he's going to stop because that's against his very nature. He's the right. exact opposite of who God is. Yeah. It doesn't have that within him. So a good yeah. question, fun question. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I like that. Uh, kind of jumping a little bit, Mac, on topic here a little more. Um, question number nine that we have today it says: Are the twelve steps a generic rather than a spiritual approach to dealing with addiction? Are they really rooted in Scripture? Yeah, that's that's a great question. It's something I, that I said in the message that I really wanted to address and and deal with because I think it's easy for um, Christians, especially people who have grown up in the church, who've grown up maybe in a family like I did where alcohol wasn't present, that kind of thing that, that you think, uh, 12 steps, you know, if you're, if you're caught in addiction, um, shame on you. And, and, and there is this sense of, oh, you, you just pull yourself out and you need to do that on your own time. That's not something that we should, um, commit our time or energy to as a church. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, and I think when you look historically at where it came from, um, there, there was a guy named Frank Buckman in the 1920s that that um, that kind of founded a group of people who were involved in a Bible study called the Oxford Group mm-hmm. that was all about life transformation. It was all about helping people overcome whatever their stuff was um, and allowing Jesus to come in and change their lives. And um, and that Bible study just multiplied exponentially. It, it spread all across the U.S., it spread into England, and it was because um, Buckman had had um, experienced that life transformation. And so as he led others to experience that, um, some really cool things happened. People began to find sobriety at a time when alcoholism was just rampant um, a- across the U.S. And so... Um, uh, this uh, this is not in my core thing of knowledge, but people who do the steps they know this story really really well. Um, Bill Wilson um, uh, overcome his alcoholism through the Oxford Group mm-hmm. um, because of his influence. Um, Dr. Bob Smith overcame his alcoholism, um, found sobriety, and and the two of them then began to take what had happened in the Oxford Group and to develop it into those 12 steps that could be used to help people systematically address the character flaws that they had that led to their alcoholism. Um, it, it helped them address the sin issues that existed in their lives. Um, and, and so the 12 steps, uh, they are, they come directly from Scripture. It, it came out of a, out of a uh, context of people trying to follow Jesus. And now it's been applied in lots of areas. So you've got AA, 
with the 12 steps. You've got NA, um, Narcotics Anonymous with the 12 steps. You've got sexual addiction groups that, that use the steps. And it's all about recognizing the deficiencies and flaws that are in us that um, are, have caused our lives to go out of control. And that's the story of the gospel. It's, right. it's recognizing right. that sin, that Satan came to kill, kill and steal and destroy, that, um, that there is havoc in our lives because of the choices that we make, and we can give that over to God, not, not just some nondescript higher power, but we can give that to God, have the Holy Spirit come in and change us, and there's, there are um, steps, processes that happen in that process of um, of uh, becoming holy, of sanctification, uh, in, you know, to use a church word, um, where where God changes us. So yeah, it's the the twelve steps um, are they have become separated in our society. They've become separated from the spiritual end of things because they want to appeal to everybody, and yeah. and they those principles work. It's like anything. All truth is God's truth. Right. So, um, so things that God teaches us in Scripture, you can th- those same truths are true for somebody who's an agnostic or an atheist or, or um, some other religion, because God's truth is true. God, God's the author of right. all truth. Right, all good and perfect things yeah. come from above. So similar, like same principles that you can recognize that being. Uh, faithful in your marriage and good communication and all that. Like there's scripture that talks about and pours into yep. those kinds of things. Um, all because it's in the world and other capacities doesn't mean like, you know, but it's separate from the Bible. Right. It's still part yeah. of the scripture. It's just being interpreted or given out in a different manner as opposed to saying, hey, turn to James 419. Yeah. So. If, if, you've, if you go to a marriage seminar, yeah, the truths that are going to help your marriage mm-hmm. are, are biblical truths. Right. Yeah. Right, you deal you deal with character flaws, uh, issues. Um, the way that you deal that, uh, the way that the way that you deal with that effectively is going to come from scripture. Right, from right. scripture. Man, I feel like we're still waking up this it's morning. The morning, yeah, it's the morning. We now, don't usually, so. yeah, don't usually <laughs> podcast at this time of day. <laughs> How about this? If science has shown alcoholism to be a disease, and there's a genetic consistency to people with addictive behaviors. Why do you think treating addiction from a spiritual perspective would work? So we know there's science, like there's plenty of studies that yep. say, hey, there's, this is a disease component to this. There's people who are more prone to this. Why don't we just treat it on, based on the science? Why is there going to be the spiritual overtone that we're trying to put on it? Yeah, yeah I, I would say it's because it's not a um, disease and a, a addiction is not just a physical issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it The... the cause of addiction um, comes from uh, the void, like I would say, the void that we have in our heart that only God can fill. When we try and fill that with something else, it's because that we're very aware of that void, and and we want that to be filled. So the the issue with addiction is... uh, is not just a physical thing. Otherwise, a doctor could write a, a prescription and it'd be done. Yeah. But even when a doctor can do that, when, when, when somebody is a drug addict and they're able to write a prescription for a different kind of a drug to take them out of that chemical dependency, um, the, the issues that cause the addiction are still there. Right. The, 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 the inability to function, the, the desire to check out, the, um, 
the the need to escape, the need to try and find meaning. All of those things exist. And so to to only deal with that from a, a physiological perspective is never going to bring success, mm-hmm. uh, lasting success. It's the the issue is a heart issue. It's not uh, it's not just a physical issue. Um, but like I would say, um, you know, in in terms of the, um, I, I said my grandfather's an alcoholic. I I think I have a predisposition towards addiction mm-hmm. um, that that has come through, and I see in my siblings, in my cousins, in my parents, in in my mom, and in uh, my aunts and uncles, um, there's a, I think that there's a physical component to that. The question is whether we give into that and feed it mm-hmm. or, or whether we um, allow God to change us and to put us on a different path. Yeah, it's interesting because like even if you were to check into a rehab facility for uh, any of these addiction kind of issues, it's not just a medical facility, right? Like right. you're going to see counselors, you're going to go through therapy sessions. They're going to look at you from a more holistic manner to figure out, Hey, what are the things in your life that are going on? And they'll talk about support systems and changes when you need to get home, people that you'll need to be around situations. You can't put yourself yeah. in to be able to get through there because you might be able to get clean right, and get it out of your system so that you're not physically drawn as much as you were before, but you have to do the hard work for all the other parts of your life in order to to continue to move past those kinds of things. So it's why we can't look at addiction from just a physical standpoint. We have to recognize that we're complex human beings. Yeah. And so we have a whole lot to us that has to be involved and spirituality is a big piece of that as well. Yeah. The 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 core issue I think when you when you talk about um, treatment in a rehab center or something like mm-hmm. that is that they're trying to help you change the way that you think. Yeah. change the way that you react to, to uh, triggers, to environmental kind of things, and to see with a different kind of perspective to allow you to not let the addiction grab hold of you and suck you back in again. Yeah, um, that's, that is, that's the story of our life as followers of Jesus, that we need to recognize who God is, how much He loves us, what He's done for us, and what Scripture teaches us about how to live that out on a daily basis and begin to integrate that, adopt that into our lives, bring people around us to do it. It, it really is. The, the question is, in a rehab center, it's all, it all starts with man. And from a spiritual perspective, it's recognizing that everything starts with God, sure. um, that, that God is the one who, who does the, the work in us. God's the one who draws us to him. God's the one who gives us the Holy Spirit um, to be able to make those changes. Nice. Yeah. Well, good stuff. That's uh, that's all we've got for our North Point Plus, the costume change podcast <laughs> today. 122. Remember yeah. it well. Yeah, 122 and 122 and a half, apparently. Yeah. So there you go. Anything uh, worth sharing? Anything talking about coming up or... Uh, encouraging for people. Uh, we talked a little bit before. Uh, we got the women's event coming yep. up um, here soon, so you can register for that online or in the app or uh, call the church office, and we'll help yep. get you connected. But uh, Free Shrugs Improv is coming in, so there'll be a little bit of uh, um, bringing people up, I'm sure, yep. and, and some feedback from every, from the ladies that are there. Uh, it's a great way if you're looking to make connections with people. Um, 
So at the end of the month? End yep. of the month. We encourage you to sign up, be a part of that. There's some groups as well that'll come out of that. That'll be a really cool piece. Yep. Uh, if you're a lady looking for those things. Uh, I had some great meetings just on the on a side note to that uh, with guys who are looking to revamp our men's ministry. Cool. Um, so that'll be something uh, not coming like anytime around the corner necessarily, but man, they've got really good plans and some stuff there with a great team that uh, excited about. We've also had uh, some Mohi stuff. And yeah, we're, we're nailing down our team that's going to go to Mohi um, at the beginning of the summer. Yeah, yeah, it's actually that trip's going to be in May. It's that's not very far away. It's not far away. Four months away, something like that. And there's an opportunity if people want to still give. You got a year in bonus or or just working through your finances and um, and and want to make a difference. Um, we'll be sending our check to to uh, to Mohi um, to help build a school for Chumani for the for the people in in the Chumani community in Kenya. And that's really cool. If you want to give, you can still do that. Um, send it in, send it electronically, mark it for Mohi, and that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another thing I think was worth uh, celebrating we talked about was the light show. Yeah. Came through on Christmas Eve services. Did you want to touch on that at all? Yeah. Uh, thanks for everybody who was part of that, the, yeah. the people who served, um, but also just the oper- the conversational opportunities that were there that people had about the, the light show. We had a, uh, about 850 cars that, that came through during the seven days, which is really, really cool. We think that that probably translated into somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 people. Um, but, but just a very, very significant um, opportunity to make an impact on the community. I, I thought it was just really cool because it was very unique in that it was all centered on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so it was beautiful. Um, but you came through and you heard the Christmas story from Luke 2. Got a chance to see some visual rep- representation of that, and to just enjoy that together as a family. I I said one of the coolest things for me w- the night that I worked was to stand in the parking lot, watch a car come in, and stop by the shepherds, and and um, and to know that they're having a conversation in the car, mom and dad with kids talking about the shepherds coming to see Jesus, and then the car driving down to the where the angels were, and had them stopping again and having a conversation about the angels going to where the wise men were, stopping, and then coming to the, to the uh, nativity scene and having a conversation there. That, that's just really, really cool at Christmas time to keep yeah. the, the focus centered on Jesus. Yeah, and then as a result, part, partly as a result, I'd say, of that, we had a really our largest Christmas Eve service. Yeah, we had more people for Christmas Eve yeah. than we've ever had before. That's that we cool. know of. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. All that's just yeah. say God's moving. God's yeah. doing stuff. That's incredible. We get to be a part of it. And so uh, we want to celebrate that as well. But yeah. We'd encourage you guys uh, like, share, comment, make fun of us for costume changes, whatever else you want to do on this for podcast. Jake still being asleep this morning. I'm so tired. I haven't even had my coffee yet. <laughs> I haven't even had my coffee yet. That is literally the next thing I'm going to go do. So. Do you have an addiction problem? Uh, Man, <laughs> I wanted to make jokes, but then we had all those conversations there. Uh, I have uh, maybe a chemical dependency right now on some coffee and the caffeine because there's also a dependency from my kids on being awake late at night. Gotcha. And I am running on less than four hours of sleep this morning. So today is a coffee day for me. Go for there it, you man. Go. But I also need water in my body as well. But hey, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, be sure once again, like, share, comment, all those things. Uh, join us next Sunday again, 930, 11 o'clock, because we're going to dive into step two and step three. So we will see you then.